from the beginning of the series, I know that the first day, okay, I, I won't tell you from the first All right. Yeah. Do you know more than two? Yeah. Okay. Let's start with you. students in this class, praise God. I think I, I, I should I should go and look for where I'll be getting money from because <laughs> you guys are doing very well, praise God. So this morning we want to look quickly at the everlasting Father. And um, like I told you last week, you suddenly notice that Isaiah switched from referring to him with single names to using compound names to qualify him. And we, the first of those sets we saw was the mighty God. Today we'll be looking at another one, the everlasting Father. Honestly, as at last week, when I was thinking about this topic in church, I was like, ah, well, you know, I promised that I was going to work on um, preaching the same thing first and second service. So I was like, everlasting Father, there should be much in everlasting Father. Uh, we'll probably have the same thing morning and um, in the second service. When I went back and began to look into the word of God, it became obvious that we are probably going to need to start another series on just the everlasting fire. Praise God. 
There's so much. There's so much. I'm going to try to combine everything, or as much as I can, into today. But this morning, we're going to be focusing more on the everlastingness of the Father. If there's anything like that, please go. We're going to be looking at the everlastingness of the Father. And if God helps us, uh, by the second service, we should be focusing more on the fatherhood of the everlasting God. Praise God. Uh, does that make sense? Does that make sense? We want to focus more on the everlastingness of the Father this morning. God helps us to look at the fatherhood of the everlasting God. Second Samuel chapter 7, 14 to 15. Second Samuel chapter 7, 14 to 15. We are all going to read it together so we are there. And uh, if you've gotten there, you can also find 2 Corinthians 6, verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, watch us, please. I, I don't need the uh, spare Bible here. Second Samuel 6, verse 18. Yeah, I said 2 Samuel 7, verse 14 to 15. Then I said 2 Corinthians, sorry, 6, verse 18. You got that, yeah? All right. Which one do you want to read first? 2 Samuel. All right, let's take it together. 2 Samuel, hold on, let me find my 2 Samuel, chapter 7. 14 to 15. 3, 2, 1, and go. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chastain him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it for Saul, whom I put for you. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Wait there now. Can we read three, two, one, go? And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Who is saying this? The Lord Almighty. Well, maybe before we even get into the Lord Almighty. There are five key responsibilities of a father, especially in a Christian setting. There are five things that is expected of every father. Uh, I, I believe we have a number of fathers in the house this morning. Yeah? So maybe let's start from there. The father is expected to be a prince, a priest, a prophet. A provider and a protector. You get that. The father is expected to be a prince. That's the first one. That speaks about his leadership, his authority. A prince. A priest. That speaks to his ability to provide a prayer covenant, a spiritual covenant. For his constituency, for his family. A father is supposed to be a prophet. That speaks to his possession of direction. He must be able to seek for and obtain direction and know what the family has to do, what his constituency. I use constituency because when I talk about father, I'm not just talking about biological father. Praise God. Uh, some of Possibly be saying, ah, I'm not married yet, so this training is not for me. But you have people that look up to you as a spiritual father. He must be a prophet. Someone said that um, how you will know you started using relevance in your house is when your wife asks you, uh, What are we going to go today? Or what are we going to do today? 
you're like, ah, I don't know. Uh, you have started losing relevance because you're supposed to know. Praise God. <laughs> but you're supposed to be a prophet. You should have direction. You're supposed to be a provider. When we say provider sometimes, uh, there's so much pressure of men. Like uh, every time money, money, money. But no, that's not every that's not all. Being a provider it kills. Some people are saying, ah, that best. If a man does not provide for his family, it's worse than an infidel. Oh, is it a lot? The weakness. Yes, it's it's key. It's key. But there is there's a lot of things a father can provide that has nothing to even do with money. Praise God. Praise God. The father must be able to provide love, he must be able to provide comfort, provide encouragement. But the father must be a provider. Yes, he must be able to provide resources too. Praise God. The father must be a protector. He must be a protector. That's the final one. And you don't need to be physically muscular. Uh, like Pastor Ifa here to protect your family, praise God. Uh, you, you can still be like me and be a protector, praise God. <laughs> praise God. Uh, protecting your family is not just them. when number of us are in the environment, praise God. Being able to ensure that your decisions the things you do today will not affect your family tomorrow. It's protection. Praise God. The father must be a prophet. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on that because that's not what I'm looking at this morning. But one thing I realized and one thing that became clear as I studied was that the fatherhood is under siege. Praise God. Many of us don't have. Uh, uh, a good representative of what a good father should look like. Society has failed to paint the picture of what a father should look like. And so it, it has become difficult for us to grasp the concept of God as father. Praise God. It has become difficult. I mean, we, 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 we say it, we recite it, we, we sing it in songs. Uh, there's literally no day we pray in church that we don't call him Father. Our Father who is in heaven. Oh, Father in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Everlasting Father, we worship you. We, we, we say it a lot, but it makes very little meaning to us. Probably because we don't have a good picture of what a Father, a Father should look like. Maybe one of the things that, 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 that we will do this morning is to pray for the fathers. I'm saying it so that in case I forget to remind me. Because we should pray for the fathers. We, we've spent, I mean, we, we focus so much on uh, what is expected of your wife, what the women should do in the house. Uh, I mean, how you must train your women to be good mothers and produce good children. And these things are good too. We celebrate them a lot. I mean, they are, they are literally up to four mothers day in a year. I don't even know which one is the correct one again. <laughs> but it's like when it comes to the fathers, we are silent. And because of that silence, it, it, it has also made the men to stop paying attention to themselves. Please God. Because the truth is that what you don't celebrate cannot last. Please God. So if it's possible, we must bring back the culture of celebrating good men. I can remember many years ago, my grandfather in the States, I'm not talking about the church thing. So there was a period in the state when Anambra State would look into families and they would pick out the best family of the year. So they used to do that before. And then the criteria for joining, it, 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 it was a lot. I mean, the man and the woman has to be together, the children, no, I mean, there will be no bad record of any of the children and a lot of that. And in 2003, my grandfather came out as the best, my grandfather and my grandmother came out as the best family of the year. It was a very exciting time. 
That award is still there, even though the man is dead. It's still there at home. It's a reminder that what you are doing, keep doing it. But somehow, over time, we have eroded that culture of celebrating excellence in men. There's so much focus on the women. How you will dress, how you should um, carry yourself, how you should treat women. And yes, we've succeeded in raising very good women. But what's happening to the men? We come back to come and bash them on social media. You are not doing what you should do. You are not being a man. You are not being a real man. Did you teach him how to be a real man? Praise God. There's a siege on fatherhood. And it's understandable because there's a lot that comes with the father. You may not realize it, but there's a lot that comes with the father. Every man comes into this world with some default package from the father. Whether you like your father or you hate your father, you cannot deny the fact that some things that you came into the world with was because of him. The, the appearance, your genes, your genetic makeup. Some people inherit defects from the fathers. You know, some people that wear glasses is not because they read a lot. It's because the father had that eye defect, praise God. There's a lot that we inherit from the father. And it doesn't just end with the physical inheritance. The Bible tells us that because Adam sinned, everyone that was born into Adam was born into sin. Praise God. It's an inheritance from the father that we cannot deny. Which is why we must pay attention to the father and make sure that we raise good fathers so that we can raise great children. Praise God. Certain things are expected of every man as a result of his paternity. Praise God. Uh, I, I don't know if your parent was like my own. Usually when you come back with a new friend, those days, one of the first questions they will ask the boy is, who is your father? Yeah? Whose child are you? Praise God. Uh, it, it, over the years, it looks like a default question. But there was an importance. There's a place that question is coming from. In First Samuel chapter ten, after Saul had met with Samuel, and Samuel had told him, "You are going to come upon a company of prophets and you will prophesy." The Bible said that Samuel turned, Saul turned to leave Samuel. The Lord gave him a new heart, and as he was walking, he met the company of prophets. And he began to prophesy. And in that first Samuel chapter 10, verse 12, someone saw Saul prophesying. And you know that what the first question was? He said, Who is his father? We understand that these other ones have the right to prophesy. They are called sons of prophets, which means their fathers are prophets. Alright? They have the prophecy background. But this man, we know his father. His father is Kish, a businessman. How did he suddenly begin to prophesy? Except he had changed fatherhood. So let us find out who is now his father. The only way to break away from the limitations imposed on you by your fatherhood is simply by changing fathers. <laughs> Praise God. The only way to break away from the limitations imposed by your paternity is simply by changing families. So I, I, I used to have these daydreams, those days. It wasn't so easy growing up. So, so once in a while I would sit down and I'll be thinking, ah, what if now one big man just walks into this compound and begins to say, You are my son, I've been looking for you for many years. I said, I will not even ask any question. I will pack my bag and I'll follow him. I'll, I'll just tell my mom, see, don't worry. I'll be sending you money every month. <laughs> Praise God. I, I, am I the only one that had that kind of thinking? 
There was a reason why the two came together to describe Jesus. And when we speak of the word everlasting, 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 it, 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 it tells me three things. Three things. One, it speaks of consistency. Hello? Consistency. Something that is there day in, day out. Something that remains the same that does not change. Hello? The Bible says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in Psalm 90 verse 2, the psalmist put it this way. He says, from everlasting to everlasting. God. When we talk about everlasting, it tells me of a man that is not controlled by time. Someone that lives above time. Because anything that is controlled by time must have a beginning and it must have an end. Anything that is controlled by time. See, Time, essentially, is used to mark the beginning and end of an event. That's what time is. Praise God. We say church begins at 8 this morning. That is beginning. And ends by when? 2 p.m. Huh? Praise God. That is an end. Anything that is under the influence of time must, of necessity, have a beginning and an end. So when we begin to see a man that has no beginning and has no end, we understand that this one does not live in the place of time. Psalms 90 verse 4 says, A thousand years before you look, it's just like an evening past. Someone made a joke about that. He said, A man asked God, one day. She be a thousand years to you is like one second. I said, yes, you're correct. I said, she be one thousand dollars is like one penny. Of course, you're right. Says God, in that case, I'm not asking for two months. Can you give me one penny? I said, no problem, son. Just give me a second. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. He lives above time. And because he is not controlled by time, he can control the times. Praise God. Daniel called him the God that changes times and seasons. What else does everlasting tell me? Everlasting tells me that he is unending, that he is eternal. He is unending. Mm. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I don't have a beginning, I am the beginning. When I come, I can determine the beginning, I can determine the end of anything. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The one who was, who is, and who is to come. The Almighty. That was God introducing himself in Revelation chapter 1 to 8. Eternal, unending. And you know the thing, nothing in this world is designed to be everlasting. Nothing. And we have a problem with that. Because the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says, He makes all things beautiful in His time, and He has put eternity in the hearts of men, so that a man cannot know the works of God from the end, from the beginning. So he puts eternity in the hearts of every man. And there is a yearning in a man for something that can last forever. 
Every man has that yearning. And that is why there is so much hustling in the world. We want to develop products that can keep us alive forever. Scientists are working so hard to develop organs that will never die. Makeup artists are working so hard to develop creams for you that when you rub it, you remain a baby forever. Praise God. We are investing in things because we want to make a money that can last us forever. But no matter the amount a man has, Elon Musk is still working. Because the eternity void in a man cannot be satisfied by anything on earth. Yes, Lewis said, if I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then it is important to me that I was made for another world. There is a new world that was created with eternal materials. That is the only place that our soul can find rest. So when we tell you hey, that in heaven there is so much rest, it does not mean you will be sleeping. Praise God. I, I, I once preached a message, heaven and hell. They invited me to preach. I mean, it, 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 it was a shocking topic when I received it. Praise God. But when I started talking, I told them, see, there are certain things we must debunk about heaven. Heaven is not a place where you go and sleep. Eh? They'll be promising us that when you go to heaven, no more war. Is that what they say? No more war. When Jesus was on earth, what he says is, My father is working, and so I am. The father was in heaven working. Wait, hold on. If the father is working in heaven, you will go there and be sleeping. Is that possible? <laughs> it's not a place where you sleep. There is work, but there is rest in the work. Praise God. Oh, the God I serve is a businessman. The guy realized that I started taking business very seriously. He's a businessman. When we get to heaven, creation does not end when we go to heaven. They will be created. And they will probably hand you a contract. Says Chica. Now, you can manage this country for me, and you will see of this new country. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he knows I'm a very good businessman, so he won't just give me a country, he'll probably give me a planet. <laughs> Praise God. There is work. So, how do we satisfy the eternity void? Why we are on earth? We are looking for things that can give us pleasure. Pleasure that will not end. You know, when we are growing up, movies used to be 30 minutes long. You remember those movies in CDs? Used to be 30 minutes long. And then suddenly they started making part one and part two. Praise God. And we were excited. And suddenly now, anytime you find a movie that is not up to an hour or two hours, you are not okay. In fact, it has become bad that season movies now is the most preferred. People are trying to elongate the pleasure. Season 1, 2, 3, season 10. See, I heard that there was one that was up to season 3. I was like, what are these people watching? Praise God. We are trying to get pleasure as much as we can. But unfortunately, no matter how long the season is, one day it will come to an end. And the psalmist would say, in his presence is fullness of joy. It is only at his right hand that you can find that kind of pleasure that will last forevermore. Ah! Is someone looking forward to heaven right now? But when we are, we are on earth, the only thing that can satisfy the eternity void in a man is the eternal father. And that is why a man without God can never be at peace. The eternity God in every man can 
only be satisfied by the everlasting fire here on earth. Are we following? We're looking at benefits of his everlastingness. I've already started. I've given you the first one. What are the benefits we can obtain from his everlastingness? What he satisfies our eternity one. I want you to look at number two now. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 27. Quickly. Someone else, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 16. I want to run through as much as I can before my time is uh, fast. Paid. Is someone there in the Deuteronomy 33, 27? Can we read, please? Loudly. The God of your fathers is your safe resting place. And under you are his eternal hands. What is this eternal hands doing for you? Driving out the forces of your haters. Please go. The eternal hands. You know, one of the fondest memories we have as children is when our fathers will carry us on their shoulders, right? And carry us around. And we are happy. But you find out that as you grow older and grow bigger, the rate of carrying reduces drastically. Praise God. And the time comes when you run to him and raise up your hand. I say, ah, how are you, boy? <laughs> Because his hands are getting tired of carrying your weight. Praise God. But the Bible tells us that underneath us are his everlasting hands. He never gets tired of carrying us. And while he carries us, he drives away the forces of our enemies. Quickly. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 Psalm 145, verse 13. If you found anyone, let's read. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 16. Hallelujah. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace Give us eternal comfort and the wonderful hope. Because he is everlasting, because he is eternal, he can provide everlasting comfort. Do you know the importance of that? You know, while we are young, it's easy to get comfort from your father. You cry, ah, what is, what is wrong with you? They beat me. Oh, sorry. And then you get older. You cry. Ah, oh boy, what is wrong with you? They beat me. Eh? And what did you do? Praise God. There is a time that the fathers, when you can't cry, fathers, go feet. They will pay you. In fact, there were things that you didn't even need to cry. You didn't even recognize that you had to pay school fees and he was paying. Then it came to days that you had to cry for the school fees. And then at some point after he graduated from university, he met him. That he need money. Eh? Why are you not working? Do you think it's easy to make money? Praise God. Only the everlasting father can provide eternal comfort, eternal consolation. I don't want to dwell so much on each of the points so that we can cover. A lot more before time is up. Psalm 145, verse 13. 1 Timothy 6, 16. 1 Timothy 6, 16. Psalm 145, verse 13. Someone there? Psalm 145, verse 13. Yes. Your kingdom. Which one are you doing? Psalm 145, verse 13. Your kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And your rule. And your rule. 
is through all generations. King James says, your dominion endureth for all generations. His kingdom is what? Is an everlasting kingdom. It speaks of his authority. His dominion. It is everlasting. Have you ever tried to imagine what will happen if God stops being in charge for one second? If God stops being in charge of principalities and powers, he says, let me think one second now. And suddenly he's not the one in charge of principalities and powers. Have you ever wondered what will happen? We are surviving because his kingdom, his authority, his dominion, is everlasting. It is consistent. It is unending. Nebuchadnezzar once prided himself on having an everlasting dominion. And when he was done speaking, God told him you will become an animal for a few years. Let us see. Have you tried to imagine what happened to the children of Nebuchadnezzar for the seven years that he was a good? You know, they, they probably were very pompous. My father is the greatest man. My father is the biggest man. My father this, my father that. And suddenly, they will go to school. And children, other children will be telling them, your father is an unmet. It is a terrible thing to once have authority and suddenly no longer have authority. But the everlasting father, his kingdom and dominion is forever. First Timothy 6 verse 16. Hallelujah. Someone else, Hebrews 13 verse 5. He alone can never die. He lives in a light so brilliant that no man can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. No human eye has ever seen him. Okay? All honor and power to him forever. All honor and power to him forever. Tim James will say, power for everlasting. He alone can never die. He has power that can outlast any generation. Power is very important. I probably mentioned this when we were talking on the mighty God. Luke chapter 11, 21 and 22, Jesus was given an analogy. He says that when a strong man got his house, his goods are safe. He says, but when a stronger than him comes, he will bind him up and he will plunder him. The only way a strong man can remain in authority is to maintain his strength. In every spot, every spot, the man with the title last year must be challenged this year for championship. So a man is answering heavyweight champion in 2019. 2020, someone comes to challenge him for the title. Maybe you were champion last year. Let us find out if you are still champion of the sea. The only way a strong man can maintain his possessions is to remain strong forever. And no man can maintain everlasting power except the everlasting power. He says his power is for everlasting. That's wrong. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Oh. John 14, 19. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Is someone there? Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with what you have. Because he has said, I 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Point number one that we now know without it. Huh? Benefits of everlastingness. For the sake of the ones that just joined us, what is number one? He satisfies our eternal void. Number two, he provides eternal consolation. Three, ah, they don't have finished. You must learn to write, oh, you must learn to write in my class. And I should be carrying things to come to church. <laughs> Number three. He has, so before power, we talked about dominion. Huh? His dominion and authority is everlasting. Yes? And you promise he provides the strength of the everlasting arms. We talked about the everlasting arm. Yes. Okay. So he has everlasting arms that can carry us forever. Yes, which other one? Then he has everlasting power. That's number one now. That should be number five. He has everlasting power. So we're at point number six. His presence is everlasting. He is the only one that can promise everlasting presence and fulfill it. People have told you in this world, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many people have told you that? That nonsense. <laughs> All those people that say that thing, are they still around? He is the only one that can promise everlasting presence and fulfill Remember what I said at the beginning. Everlasting does not just speak about unending, it speaks about consistency. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, therefore, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with what you have. The way we act sometimes, the way we behave sometimes, is because we do not realize that he will really truly be with us forever. We act with so much fear, so much discouragement, Maybe today's service would serve as a reminder to someone. For he has said, he will never leave you, nor forsake you. Paul said, I have been through many things. I have been through tribulations. I have been through, through pains, through, through persecutions. He says, one thing I have realized is that there is nothing in all these things that can separate me from the love of God. And because of that understanding, I can proceed further to say, to tell you with all assurance that in all these things, I am more than a conqueror. That is a man that realizes that God is with him. Until you make that realization for yourself, you will be running around like a cockroach. That is about to be killed. Because that is the way we run around on that. You are in a bus, driver makes a sharp turn. We kill us, kill us, kill us, kill You don't realize that he's with you. Sometimes when we call Jesus, it's not because of faith. It's fear. Because uh, someone said that they were in the bus one time. I mean, one Muslim guy has been making so much noise in the temple. And suddenly, the thing happens, and everybody is shouting, Jesus. And he turns and sees the Muslim guy shouting, Jesus, Jesus. Ah. When the boss finally stabilizes, he asks the guy, Afana, when did you become a Christian? Say, which one is Christian? I'm not a Christian. Nobody was shouting, Jesus. Everybody was shouting, Jesus. I don't join. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. John chapter 14, verse 19. I need to round up this part of the class. We'll pick it up in the second service.
Job 14, 19, can someone read that for us? Yet a little while, the world will not see me anymore. But you are seeing me, you will see me, you will continue to see me. Because I am alive, you yourself shall live also. Because he is the everlasting father, he is the only one that can give everlasting life. I think that would be a good place to conclude this morning. Your fathers, your earthly fathers, gave you life because of a seed that they deposited. But the problem about the seed is that it is a mortal seed subject to corruption. And Peter will begin to speak in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. He says, listen, as a child of God, you are born again. This time, no longer of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God that liveth forever. The reason why I am sure every man will die on earth is because the seed that brought you into the world is a perishable seed. When it gets to its expiration date, you will die. The reason why I am sure that if you become a child of God, you are not going to fail. It's because the seed that brought you into the family of God is an everlasting seed, is an eternal seed, is an incorruptible seed. It is only the everlasting Father that can produce everlasting life. Are you ready to pray this morning? Start your feet. Let the living water flow on my